You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to Doing Law Differently. I'm Lucy Dickens. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Bartholomews, the founder of You Legal. You Legal provide top-tier corporate and commercial legal solutions for medical and allied health professionals, manufacturing, and technology. They deliver their services with a commercial approach, with an understanding that clients need much more than just a legal answer to achieve their visions and goals. When I contact people and invite them to be a guest on the show, one of the things I ask them is about what they think makes their business unique and why. Sarah identified three things for me. She said that they removed the overheads that traditional firms have, like fancy offices and big teams of lawyers that they use technology to make sure that they're responsive to their clients' needs and that they give their staff power over their own time and effort so they have a completely flexible and remote workforce. But I had a feeling that there was more to it than that. So as you'll hear in the interview, I dig a little bit deeper and discover that some of the core things that make you legal unique around the way that Sarah in particular shares the business's intellectual property and gives it away for free in writing books and blogs and podcasts but also on their social channels. And also, as I discover, that you legal are very particular about the type of people that they want to be working with. And that is that their clients are people who have a purpose that is higher than profit. Sarah shares how all of these things have contributed to building the unique business that she has built and led to her doing more differently. Enjoy. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Now, you founded You Legal in 2013, and I understand your aim, or you say that your aim, was to transform legal services for the better. What in particular was the transformation that you wanted to see happen? My background was working in a big firm initially for a number of years, and then I hated litigation. I just didn't I felt like I was fighting with everyone all the time. Mm. So I was fighting with my partners about my billables, fighting with my clients about not wanting to pay for being in a dispute they'd been pulled into and fighting with the other side because it's litigation and that's what you do. Yes. So I, I just thought this isn't what I'm made for. So I made a kind of move to work in-house and I started working within big corporates and I worked in two big listed companies and found my place really. I wanted to help grow businesses, be really commercial about disputes when they did happen, all those sorts of things. So I was like so thrilled to be part of that. And as working in-house, obviously you brief outside counsel. And so I had a different perspective on the issues that a client experiences, I suppose. So back in 2014, was it 14, 13? Your website says 13. I went with that. Yeah, 13. (laughs) Um, 2013, I was made redundant from my corporate role. So it was that kind of pivotal moment. I was seven months pregnant with my second child and I thought I could wait six months, eight months, a year, get another corporate role. But I really saw there was an opportunity back six years ago to do things differently in the law and that was sort of the platform on which I launched You Legal. 
It's interesting how those big changes often coincide in business with big life changes as well. Like you said, you were pregnant, you'd been made redundant. Mm. So there's all these mm. things going on that kind of make you stop and question. Whereas sometimes it's easy to just to continue because, you know, you've got a job and you're in a role and it's the way things are done. So it's interesting how that those things coincided. Yeah. Now, I'm interested to talk to you about your people. You have a team of flexible and remote workers, and I understand you give them complete control over where and when they work. I'm interested to learn about how this looks. Sure. So I was just looking at something today that said, like, we've got quite a close team. We work really well together, even though we all work remotely from each other. And creating that workplace culture has been, I guess, a journey in itself. Mm. But how that works is um, we have staff members that work all around the world. So Europe, India, Hong Kong, it's really been great to be able to cover the world I suppose people do a night shift during the day our time and they get allocated matters uh, depending on the area of expertise and depending on what comes through the door and work on that within their own kind of time frames depending on what the client needs obviously and seems to work really well so far. How do you, you said you, you're creating that culture was a journey. What are some of the things that you see that have been important into building that team and helping people connect across different countries and different time zones? We have a weekly huddle for our support team. So we connect in every Monday at a set time. Unfortunately for Kim, who's in Europe, it's the middle of the night for her, but she tends to stay up at Sunday night for her and we have set KPIs we go through each week and everyone promises to do something that they then refer back to the the next week. And I think that's been a really great way for us all to be connected on a call together every week and promising to do something that if we don't do, we then have to tell everyone the next week that we didn't do. That's really encouraging people to be accountable, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And One thing that's really made a big difference to our huddles is at the end of it lately, we've been doing a conversation starter. So using some of the questions that I ask on my podcast of guests to find out more about what makes people tick, because not all of us have met in person either. So Mm. uh, today the question was, what was your favourite song in high school? Okay, it's good because you don't get to have those casual conversations over the coffee machine water cooler conversations yeah so you're bringing some of that in and making time for it to happen during those meetings and sometimes the questions are deeper than others so just depends on how I'm feeling on the day (laughs) well yeah what kind of mood you're in for the topic of conversation that's right so when you've got your remote team and they're working flexibly how do you measure and manage performance obviously you have those weekly check-ins where they're required to kind of account for what it was that they promised to do but what's the bigger picture of managing performance I suppose I've got like a pretty hands-on so I'll be aware of what everyone's working on from day to day and know the time frames in which they're committed to, to providing them so we also kind of have a little bit of a peer review opportunity within the lawyers in our team where some of our other lawyers will review work that other lawyers have done but I've been working with most of our lawyers for a long time now so mm. pretty confident in the work that they produce and It's only really if we're outside our usual scope, somebody who usually drafts a grace 
for example, has drafted an advice, we might get someone to look at that to just to make sure we're all using the same formats and, and everything's legal standard, I suppose. Do you get your staff to record time? They do sometimes. So mostly we work on fixed fees, but sometimes depending on the matter, you know, very unusual case if we're doing a dispute. Daniela from our team has a disputes background. She loves working on disputes, even though I am still not a big fan of them. Uh, She records time because we we, we don't do it enough to be able to standardise fixed fees for it. Mm -hmm. So different approaches depending on the work that you're doing. Yeah. With your workforce being located all around the world, I understand that you're using technology to help keep you connected. And obviously you do that through your team, your weekly huddle meetings that you have. What other types of technology are you using? So they are all around the world, but they are all Australians. So that's been a kind of really interesting part. So our expat lawyers who one lives in India, their partner is a diplomat. One lives in the Netherlands, her partner was from there originally and so they wanted to move back when they had kids. So there's different reasons people are away and it's great to be able to give them an opportunity to work. Did you build those relationships with them when they were in Australia and then they moved? No. Of those two, I did meet through the internet after I'd started the business One of my other team, she lives in Switzerland now and she originally worked with us from Sydney and she's just recently in the last six months moved there. So Yeah. So tell me about the technology. What is it that you're using in your firm? So we use Zoom for meetings Mm -hmm. like this and we use Mm -hmm. Skype. We use Google Sheets quite a lot. We use an online practice management software as well called Action Step. Yes. We use, what else do we use? (laughs) WhatsApp. So those are all things that are really, aside from Action Step, which is obviously your management system, but those are all keeping your team connected together. Yeah. Yeah. And what about in terms of your service delivery, the way that you engage with your clients or the way that you deliver services or manage your practice? use some online forms to take instructions and we're getting better at that we're using it more and more and and finding that clients are really receptive to that the ones that we've attracted we work a lot with doctors in our practice and not all of them love working on computers so if there's an issue with that then we just take a call and and do it over zoom or over over the phone to make sure that they're not feeling overwhelmed by having to try and learn a new piece of technology, which I know sometimes I feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really good point that you raise because there is a push towards how we can use technology to improve our service delivery. But it's also important to remember who we're working for and who we're working with and how do they want to consume our services? Because not everybody wants to be on a computer or not everybody wants that Zoom meeting. You know, they might want to meet you in face to face. And it's important to understand that, isn't it? So having lawyers based all around Australia really helps with meeting people face-to-face if that's what clients want as well. We've found that that's really important for some people, so it's always available if, if it's needed. Feeling inspired but unsure how to translate that inspiration into change in your firm? Or maybe you have ideas to shake up your business, but you're having a hard time implementing them. Well, I can help. After 10 years leading law firm development and change, I'm now helping others to do the same. My coaching programs are designed to help you redesign your business to create a simple but significant and sustainable business that will skyrocket your success. 
Let me help you do law differently. Visit lucydickens.com.au forward slash coach to find out more. So aside from your flexible workforce and remote workforce, I guess maybe more specifically, and using technology to deliver some of your services, how else are you doing law differently? What differentiates you from a traditional practice? Good question. I've written three books for different reasons. So the first book's on directors' duties, second book's on risk management, and that's called uh, Kingpin, Legal Lessons from the Underworld. So focusing on drug dealers and how they run their businesses and what we can learn from them. And then my third book's called Growing a Medical Practice from Frustration to a High Performance Business. So what I found at the time I started writing my first book is that lawyers back then didn't want to give away information. That the IP mm. was what they sold and they didn't want to be sharing it without having all the usual disclaimers that lawyers do because with the law, the fact is that the circumstances are so important. And so lawyers have always been traditionally not that open to sharing IP. Obviously, yeah. it's what they what they sell. So that's one way in which we're doing law differently. We try and use our social channels for a little bit of fun as well as sharing IP and checklists and free disclaimers or privacy policies or whatever it is that we're giving away at that time whoever might be interested in it and I have a podcast I don't know that there's that many ways I have a podcast it's called accountants on purpose and I interview accountants who are doing things a bit differently so we want to work with accountants who are giving back to their teams and the world as well as their clients so that they have a purpose that's higher than profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in our practice, we only act for clients that have a purpose that's higher than profit. So that's probably a little bit different as well. We see ourselves as protecting purpose. So making sure that people who want to run purpose-driven businesses are protected so that they can have the impact that they want to in the world because otherwise we've seen so many businesses that don't make a point of investing in agreements or legal documents that protect them not last for the long term. That's interesting. Let me unpack some of these ideas that you've just shared, starting with the sharing of the IP. And obviously you've got your books, which you talk about. And the podcast is another way to do that too, isn't it? Because although you're interviewing people, you're still sharing your advice and well, you're sharing your IP effectively through that podcast. What are some of the benefits that your business has seen as you've started to be more open about sharing that advice and information? I think that mostly if I get somebody call me who's interested in our services they already feel like they know me yes so they know what we're about they know what we want to do in the world they just don't necessarily know how much things cost yeah so I know that we get promoted a lot in in some groups in particular where there's lots of doctors or lots of allied health professionals because they're who we work with a lot and yeah so they already know us and they've Mm -hmm tried something on our website or that they listen to a podcast and it's always funny to me when I'm talking to someone like oh, I heard your interview with whoever accountant that I'd heard and it makes it feel like it's all worthwhile. 
It does. I get that too. It's a little bit strange when people know you and you don't know them and you forget that they've listened to your podcast or they've read your books or whatever it might be, however they know you. It's always a little bit strange, but it's okay because the bigger picture, I mean, the purpose of it is to help them understand more about you so that then they want to engage you to do business. And you, in that answer, touched on the second thing, which was the purpose. And obviously in identifying that you want to deal with people whose purpose is higher than profit, you've worked out who it is that you want to be working with so that you can then talk to those people yeah that's right and it came from an experience where the firm was acting for a global business and we sold it and it it sold for half a billion dollars and it took a year and at the end of it we just were depleted because it was such a big job and when you work on a matter like that you're clients contacts often all get made redundant at the end because they're not needed by the ultimate buyer and it just feels like you've just given away everything that you have to help rich people get richer is how it felt at the time and so it was a real moment where we all came together and thought who is it that we do want to work for and and people who help people came out of it and then out of that came a purpose higher than profit. And that in itself is different to traditional law because traditional law is offering services to anybody who wants to buy them, not services only to this narrow portion of people who align with the people that you want to work with. Yeah. As a team, we feel more satisfied, I think, feeling like we're helping the world for good rather than just for profit. commercial, commercial mm-hmm. transactions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad thing. We need to make money in order to live and pay our bills but what you're saying is you want more than that what's the bigger picture purpose yeah that's right absolutely so what's your advice that you would give to somebody else who wants to do law differently I think being really clear on your values and your purpose for you had to give that answer (laughs) I had to I had to but having, having that quiet time to reflect on those things before jumping in and saying, I'm doing this differently. And in a way, I was really lucky because my business developed while I had a very small person living in my house. And I had that time where I was awake at unusual hours and my brain was working in a different way. Um, You're super creative when you don't have a lot of sleep. And I'm not advocating it. Now I'm like sleep first, (laughs) everything else comes second. But I think that having that time where I did have time to reflect was really valuable. And I just finished reading a book called Silence is the Key by Ryan Halliday. And it's just reinforced that belief to me even more. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of that book actually, but a friend of mine, Jeremy Watkins, he's a leadership expert. And one of the things he talks about is peak performance. And he also says, you know, you need not to just perform, but the importance of rest and reflection. And it's only when we have those three in the cycles, particularly the reflection that enable us to actually perform at our best. And so I guess that's another way of saying what you've experienced. Yeah. And if you think about athletes, or very high performance people, they put time in the calendar to mm-hmm. rest. Mm-hmm. They know that they can't have that peak performance without rest time. Of the time. So, yeah, yeah, it sounds like some good advice. But often there's an expectation. It's the, it's the way that we're taught in the profession is, you know, you do, you just keep putting in the hours and you end up, I mean, we're not taught to burn ourselves out, but that's the effect of the way that we're taught to work. It is. 
Thank you, Sarah, for joining me and sharing about your firm. Thanks for having me. It's a great podcast. I'm very happy to be part of it. Absolutely. And we'll send people your way. Tell us where we can find your podcast or the name of your podcast so that people can come and listen there. My podcast is called Accountants on Purpose. And you're anywhere where we can listen to podcasts too, right? So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever they want to listen to you. That's it. Favorite podcast awesome. app, as they say now. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. So that's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference because it really helps other people to find out about the show. And lastly, if you or someone who you know is doing law differently, then send them my way at doinglawdifferently.com.au forward slash guest. I'd love to have as much variety on the show as possible. So do send them over. See you next week. Mm -hmm.